Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are listening to Shadowcast, episode four. You're joined this evening with Black Matt, Whiskey Neon, and Zandy. Guys, why don't you say hello to the wonderful listeners on the interwebs? Hello, listeners. Hello. All right, so we've got an action-packed show tonight since we've been absent. A lot of ha- a lot has happened with us in the past, um, I don't know, month, month and a half since the last episode. Um, uh, I went to the hospital while editing an episode. Uh, Zandy oh, lost right. his virginity. Um, Black Matt <laughs> got a tattoo on his forearm. Um, so... <laughs> Why don't you guys uh, give a little uh, update about what y'all have been doing in your life in the past month and a half? Uh, besides doing some flocker research um, and uh, doing some osint to try and uh, find out if <laughs> was dead. Oops, <laughs> sorry. Leave <laughs> 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 that out. <laughs> that sleep. And it's time for an edit. Yeah, so Whiskey Neon was uh, all fucked up and we were worried. And so we had to do some digging to... Basically, we didn't come up with much other than uh, finding a family member and spamming her on Facebook. Yeah, and it was super effective. Because I was in the hospital bed... And she was like, do you know black math? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because he was asking about you. I was like, yep. Uh, I figured. Yeah, she said uh, she was with you and you were doing okay, so I sent her a Power Ranger thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I actually sent her one... Uh, uh, the no comment one, at, at, like late at night the other day, just because. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, other than uh, hacksering my life, um, Zandy, I think you had a trip recently. What was that about? Why don't you tell us, Zandy? <laughs> oh yeah, I I decided to come check out Texas because I heard that if you uh like if you drive in. Then at the like at the welcome stations, if you just walk in, they got a big bucket by the door of guns, kind of like how Florida's got orange juice, but they didn't have anything, so I just turned around and came back. You just came back. Well, you kind of had a big event, didn't you? You were at B sides DFW, representing oh, yeah, yeah, Shadow I... Systems. Yeah, I was in town and I saw that was happening, so I thought I'd uh, go <laughs> check it out. <laughs> oh, so well, modest. I know, right? Um, well, since he's not going to talk about it, Sandy came out to um, Dallas and experienced Dallas Hackers Association, um, and he he was really descriptive about how awesome it was. You can actually hear him on the oh, Dallas oh, Hackers yeah. After Hours podcast. Um, yeah, he, sa- he said I mean, he, he said I, it was badass. I gotta say, it's it's badass. Uh, the karaoke venue is pretty sweet. The group of people is pretty sweet. Uh, it's just a cool time overall. I'm glad it's a thing that happens. Now, when you guys do talks at HA, do you have to compete with the karaoke singers? 
or do you alternate <laughs> sharing the mic or do no, you it, have to do talks in song form it depends yeah it's the la- that last one i was gonna say it depends if it's a karaoke talk yeah um as as uh it, it's That's a private awesome. venue so there's no real need for um you know competition there there were uh, a group of ladies who were there uh, singing karaoke when we were first setting up, and uh, they seemed very friendly. They were having a good time, but other than um, you know that, there there was no real interaction with karaoke at all. Hopefully, next month we will have some karaoke uh, action going. Um, fingers crossed that um, Mr. Chin can uh lock pick the ball and chain and come out to dha and <laughs> and so um nap what so he can nap <laughs> um yeah that because that's basically all he does when he's there but seeing uh, karaoke what, what's a song that y'all would like to hear him sing uh if you could pick oh um how about something from greece <laughs> Like summer loving, <laughs> and you have to find a you know you have to find a partner because it's a duet. Oh my god, it has to be Tinker. Um, well, what about? <laughs> Never mind. I guess I can't. Yeah, Tinker's <laughs> fine. I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess you can't at all. No. Um. So, yeah, you came out and you experienced DHA, and then you were the very last speaker at besides DFW. You were talking about the NSA um, backdoor. What, 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 like, explain that. I'll give a TLDR on that if you don't mind. Okay, yeah. So people have probably heard that the, uh, the NSA backdoored one of the standardized random, uh, random number generators. So I thought I would use some of my math background to kind of talk about how the math of that worked. And um, not everyone followed it, which is okay, but I people did get stuff out of it, so that was pretty cool. It was cool to see that people didn't just, like, fall asleep. I fell asleep. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I was that, awake that's the whole fine. Time. <laughs> <laughs> what I remember of it um, was uh, very good. A lot of people were excited for it, man. Um, like, that was one of the most hyped talks of the, the conference, so... Don't downplay yourself, fool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was amazing. <laughs> no, it was mediocre. <laughs> because he's now the mediocre Zandy. So yeah, we had um a a great turnout at the con. Um, we we collectively as Shadow Systems sponsored the lunch beer, and people seemed to appreciate the beer. Um, saw a lot of people drinking it, so, uh, they've all drank a little bit of us, and <laughs> some, some lucky winners of the CTF and other events there, uh, got some Shadow Systems Hack the Planet swag, so, uh, all in all, it was, uh, a pretty fun con, um, we won the scavenger hunt, uh, that was... Zandy kind of contributed, uh, Jules, uh, Tinker, and I were team Hack Anus, and, uh, 
we won the scavenger the hunt competition by like 200 points uh, it was mostly Tinker's contributions that set us over. So, uh, yeah, it was all in all real fun. We had a great after-party course security, threw down $1,000, and paid for the drinks there at the after-party at the last minute. So, it was it was pretty ballin' overall. No one got arrested that I'm aware of, so that's always a success. That's good, that's good. So, so why don't we move in uh, to our actual uh, first segment. Now it's time for the feed. Have you guys heard about Facebook's um, assistant, like, you know, Facebook's answer to Siri and Cortana and stuff? They have a personal assistant called M. Have you guys <laughs> heard of that? No. That sounds yeah, stupid. Fucking, Why is it uh, him? Yeah. Well, fuck if I know. It's for mother. So <laughs> they basically have this AI-powered assistant, but there's a software engineer who was using M and is convinced that M is not actually as AI-powered as Facebook claims, but is actually powered exclusively by humans. <clears throat> So this engineer <laughs> is developing an anti-Turing test to prove the lack of AI. Ooh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let me see some of the things he... Uh... Well, hold, hold on a second. That, that, who gives a shit? It's a free personal assistant. I don't care who, who's doing it, if it's AI or if it's a person. Um, you know, like, Amazon Mechanical Turk is, is a... Um, human-based um, API, basically. You, you, well, you I think his, his problem is that they're misrepresenting the service. Like, they're claiming that it's exclusively AI-powered with a little bit of human oversight. But based on his experiences, it behaves... It doesn't behave like AI. Well, he, maybe it's something... Prove it. Do y'all remember Cha-Cha? Cha-Cha? Oh, oh, oh. Yep. Yeah, cha-cha. It was an. Um, I, I'm sure it still exists, but it was really popular back before smartphones took off. It was a service where you could send a text message with a question, and a person would answer it. So you could ask it just stupid questions. That was the most fun part about it. Was that you could ask a dumb question, and it would reply with an answer. And so you could ask. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is Zandy um, uh, a real human being? And then they would look for Zandy and try to answer that for you. Um, yeah, so, they, they, they don't advertise that it's an AI service. You know, you know right up front that those are people. Well, well, no, no. Let, let, let me let me get to what, what I think maybe Facebook's <laughs> doing with that is right now it could be a cha-cha-like service where humans are doing all of the work but then using that as a machine learning process to, well not machine learning but um the ai can then look at previous answers or or the human interaction and then answer accordingly because cha-cha a problem with cha-cha was that there were common questions that were asked over and over again and answered over and over again 
that if they would have had an AI or some kind of algorithm there that kind of detected um, frequent questions or a previously answered question, the um, the the human uh, could just select which one had the highest percentage of of predicted um, you know the the predicted answer basically if you get what I'm saying maybe that's what M is the end game with that is maybe if it's got this guy all worked up he's got this guy all kinds of worked up that he's developing an anti tearing test which is the part that I find amusing well. What's his name? Uh, Eric Sussman. That's spelled A-R-I-K-S-O-S-M-A-N. And he says, M's capabilities far exceed those of any competing AI, where some AIs would be hard-pressed to tell you the weather conditions for more than one location. M will tell you the forecast for every point on your route and also provide you with convenient gas station suggestions account for traffic, provide you with options for food and entertainment at your destination. Doesn't Waze do this already? Yeah. But that's Google technology. Hold on a second. I'm trying to find this guy. I'm going to see if I can't dox him real quick. And, and we'll call him. <laughs> is, is that his name or his handle? That sounds like a name. Uh, Eric Sossman. Yeah, what a weird probably got a LinkedIn page. Yeah, I'm finding him. You know, um, while, while you find him, this reminds me of a story I saw just, I think, last week where Google was using AI to try and come up with, like, these uh, auto-respond things for Gmail if you chose it. So if you get an email, it would give you the option to auto-respond with something that makes sense. And yeah. um, they they ran into a bit of a problem because one of the responses it would try to use it would try to recommend most often was I love you. <laughs> <laughs> hey Whiskey Neon, you better turn that on right now. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a plan. <clears throat> I thought you were gonna say like it kept responding with your mom or <laughs> balls or something. No, no, it it just it just falls in love with everything. Wow. Alright, let's see. Hey, you know, some of these things that I really like that has human interaction, uh, reCAPTCHA, um, originally how it, like, you know, that's a CAPTCHA that gives you two options. Um, one, it knows the answer to, and the second one is uh, it doesn't know the answer to. And the second one is actually using you, uh, like the collective uh, people who entering uh, CAPTCHAs, as a way to um, translate books where OCR had difficulty in in understanding that particular word. So there'll be the one that it knows, like book, and then the uh, then the second word that it doesn't know, like computer. Um, after you know a few thousand entries on that captcha if there's people typing in um computer over and over and over again it's going to just assume that that is the right word well 4chan <laughs> oh boy oh boy 4chan uh would 
Uh, and, and here's the thing. On that, you could actually tell a lot of the times which one they knew and which one they didn't. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's two words. So you put in uh, the word like, oh, that's the one that I think they know. This is the one I don't think they know. You can kind of guesstimate. And if you're wrong, you just retype it again, you know. But the one that you thought that they didn't know, uh, they would use the N-word. Uh, they would just put, they would, you just type in the N-word. And the whole idea was so oh, that it gosh. would, the, the, it would just use the N-word for all these different words that it couldn't understand. So you can't always oh, wow. just throw things out at the crowd and accept which you get back because it can be <laughs> horrible information. And and the thing is, the thought that really just completes me is that there was a developer out there who had to create rules to keep that word from being in their algorithm. Like, could you imagine having to sit there and uh, make that? Um, Hard code the just... N-word? Well, well, yeah, think about it. Like, you would have to code that as a blocked word and it's just funny that someone had to do it. <laughs> I don't know. It just cracks me up. <laughs> but... A day in the life of an input sanitization engineer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what did you do at work today? <laughs> <laughs> so, so this dude, uh, Eric Sossman, um, he's a math student. And he's a software engineer at this company called BitGo. Um, yeah. And uh, what I'm trying to do is I, I've got his LinkedIn profile, um, which was definitely easy to do, but I'm not finding any anything on this guy as far as um, information, uh, like his docs, basically. That's, that's pretty good for him, uh, but I really would have loved talking to the guy. I have a doc story for later or whenever. All right, so what's the next news item? <clears throat> um, oh, uh, Facebook sees an 18% surge in government data requests. Ooh, is that so, US uh, or worldwide? Uh, I think it's U.S. <clears throat> so, uh, or actually, it's a global government request report. So, I guess worldwide. That would be the correct um, assumption, I would, I would think, yeah. Yep, being global. No, 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 it's uh, not global, it's global. global. <laughs> 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 uh, the bad thing about these types of reports, though, they, you know, it's it's not real-time or close to real-time. This covers the second half of 2014. So... Let's see, well, the amount of content restricted for violating local law increased by 112% from 9,707 to 20,568. I'm not sure what that... Okay, government requests for account data increased across all countries by 18% um, from 35,051 requests up to 41,214. Now, those are requests. That does not include, um, you know, FISA court-related, uh, just prism, you know, backdoor stuff. So, oh, hey, I found uh, 
Facebook's government requests page. Oh, boy. So let's see. January 2015 through June 2015, the United Kingdom uh, submitted requests for 4,489 user accounts. Wow, that's 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 quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Wait, wait, how many did they comply with? That's the important number. Uh, percentage of requests were some data produced, 78.04%. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so total requests are actually 3,384, and out of those 3,384 requests, uh, it comprised 4,489 users or accounts, and just a little over 78% had data produced. So let's see. That's the UK. By the way, the URL is govtrequests.facebook.com. Golf, Oscar, Vagina, Tango, requests.facebook.com. <laughs> I forgot what V is. Oh, Victor, sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> oh god okay oh, you can region uh, let's see let's look for United States United States law enforcement requests for data Jesus January H. yeah January through June of this year 17,577 <laughs> requests <laughs> of which oh, it included whoa, 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 whoa. look at the emergency <laughs> disclosure amount for total request Six six six. Wow. Well, pen register slash trap and trace one thousand and sixty six. This is beautiful. Now, now Twitter's I recently looked at, and it's nowhere near this amount. But but then again, this is Facebook, which has a feature set that is way more than what Twitter has. You know, for the large part of activity on Twitter, it's going to be public, um, you know, tweets. Uh, so, the I mean, DMs are used, but not on the scales like Facebook Messenger is, you know. Uh, it was just recently that Twitter r removed the restriction on the uh, character um, amount on uh, DMs, so... That's still a growing uh, medium for messaging, although I use it quite often, but not for, you know, it's ba basically to contact someone to to talk on a different medium, you know. But yeah, that's interesting. Government request report for Facebook, but but this of course is, uh, you know. Uh, this is the title three one is the one that's interesting because that's real time collection. So, uh, that's basically the equivalent of, uh, someone tapping your phone line. I don't, yeah. be I don't believe that that has anything to do with, uh, prism or anything like that, that I don't think any of that kind of stuff will show up here. Um, um they give a uh, national security letters at the bottom. They can't give an exact amount, but they, Give it in thousands. So for that time period, it was zero through nine hundred ninety-nine. So somewhere within there, 
That's how many <laughs> national security letters they received. <clears throat> <laughs> Why even bother? Like, I know. <laughs> like, oh, so you can download the report in CSV format. Yeah, but it's the same info. It's not like a breakdown. Well, it would be insane. No, but you can you, all the countries person. and like, yeah, oh. like I can sort them here. So let's see, sort and filter largest to smallest by requests. So of course, the United States is at the top. Second place is India. Oh, with, of course, I would imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, and this is for just what half a year, five thousand one hundred and fifteen requests. Then the UK, then France, then Germany, then Italy, Brazil. Who is the smallest? That's what I want to know. Well, I I just looked China. At China is the smallest at zero <laughs> because they don't need to. Oh, wait a minute! <laughs> they don't yeah, need even to. get to Facebook in China. You can get on Facebook in China uh, using their yeah, service. It a... <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. But they don't need to request data. Well, no. the, yeah. If you can manage to get on tour, then you can get on Facebook. There's no real way for them to ever, like, why even bother if they're if they're man in the middling. Well, yeah, they can. Yeah, they can man in the middle quite a bit, but still. The Great Firewall knows all. Yeah. So Tunisia, Tunisia had one request for 48 user accounts. <laughs> wow, I wonder what that was about. That's such a small amount that there's probably like a news article about it. What would be scary is if United States ended up having one for like <laughs> two million user accounts, <laughs> like the big rush before uh, everything gets shut down. Yeah, they just they just get a copy of everything. They say, "Okay, thanks." We'll Russia was one for one user. <laughs> I wonder who that one user was. That's really interesting. <laughs> That one guy, he's fucked. Yeah, but but most people <laughs> in Russia don't even use uh, Facebook. They use VK. VK.com, which is literally Facebook.com like 10 years ago. That's what it looks like. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, it's like Facebook for Europe, basically, but it's based out of the, the like, out, out of Russia. Um... The... Also, like before Facebook started deciding what content I see instead of just giving me all all right. of uh, my friends' posts. Yeah. You got to love that. You can do friends list, but... Whatever. Yeah, but... VK is uh, a large social network in Europe um, that literally is a Facebook clone. Uh, the, the... One of the founders of uh, VK... Um, He's a, I think both of them actually are uh, pretty big uh, privacy advocates. And uh, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Pavel Durov. I don't know. Uh, but one of the guys who uh, was the founder of VK, he, uh, he also found Telegram, the popular um, IM service that is open source and supposed to be super safe and secret post Snowden era awesome <laughs> oh wait was was telegram the one where they didn't what, there was one where they basically dragged their feet on proving they were secure and were just like tell you what here's a million dollar prize if you can 
you know, break it. And then they set up some kind of impossible situation to break it in. Yeah, they had a cryptography contest. Um, and uh, what that was all about was Moxie Marlin Spark. He was um, saying that it was, like, rigged and it was BS because it was... Uh, I don't. I don't know. It was something about how Telegram was just kind of skewing the contest to where it was not fair. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't a million dollars. It was like hundreds of thousands, but it wasn't a million. But no one ended up getting them, like winning the prizes. So I guess when that when that happened, they they thought that they could just say it was secure. But uh, it's been a. Um, it's it's been like different people have have criticized it for saying certain things about the the crypto um strength and how messages were stored and everything so uh but but yeah anyways that that's that's the guy who created vk he created telegram as well and i want to say that snowden worked for vk for a bit after he got to russia if i remember correctly which is hilarious. <laughs> Science. So, <laughs> I added a column uh, to divide the uh, number of user accounts referenced by the number of user data requests to see basically like number of users per request. And there are actually eight countries that there was less than one user per request. So more than one request actually were for the same user. Hmm. Moldova issued five requests on three user accounts. So I wonder what they were up to. Maybe they keep accidentally deleting their emails. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought you got those results. I did, but I accidentally deleted deleted the email. Okay, we request it again. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, maybe maybe so, it was just for a specific time frame. It could be. God, I cannot imagine having to go through all of these government requests. Like, I don't even know why they comply. Why do they even comply? Just say no. Like, the only country they should care about are, are ones where they physically have servers present. Like, that's it. That's all you got to care about. Like, the one country you think they'd care about, like all the other Silicon Valley companies have caved to, is China. <laughs> and there's no request <laughs> for them. Like, I don't understand that. Um, you know, in 2006, I believe it was, you had Microsoft, Cisco, Google, and Yahoo sitting in front of Congress uh, doing a circle jerk testimony over... Um, why they were providing surveillance technologies and censoring technologies to China um, in complete violation of an agreement that was put in place after the Tiananmen Square massacre. And they're just, but we want to get in this market. It's emerging. We, we have to be in this market. Don't you understand? We have to censor these things. And a lot of that changed after, you know, uh, Gmail was hacked by China and a slew of other countries were. I think that was back in '09 when that occurred. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, and then and then uh, Google's like, "Yo, China, we ain't censoring shit." Uh, so when you search for <laughs> Tank Man uh, on Google.cn, you can actually see Tank Man. Before all of that went down, it was like if you search for Tiananmen Square, 
um, on Google English, you'll see things from the massacre. Um, but if you do it on Google.cn back in the day, you would see just beautiful pictures of of the square <laughs> with, with no protests. Like, nothing ever happened, guys. Um, it, it It's even a thing in China where they refer to that event. See, a lot of people our age have no idea that that even happened. Some of them will when they go to college and thinks to things like tour and and everything people can actually learn about it now but it was very hush hush and they would call it the june 5th incident and uh but but after you know google google decided to change and what yahoo ended up doing was um selling a lot of their services in china a lot of their their bait like china based sites and everything to uh, alibaba which is like um the one of the biggest conglomerates in China as far as web web technologies go it's kind of like a um Amazon plus Google in a sense Badu is Google but still the the scale of Alibaba is huge um and they had uh Yahoo email in China and i believe the yahoo's like yahoo.cn i don't remember but I, that all kind of happens, and now, you know, everyone can have their stuff intercepted there way easier. Um, but yeah, that was, that. that's the state of China, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah. on the, like, a completely topic, did we talk about the um, China's citizen scores on a previous episode? No. I don't oh, think ha so. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's, so basically, China's gamifying authoritarianism. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, oh, it's voluntary, but they said what by twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen they're going to make it mandatory for every it's citizen. Basically, the twenty twenty. Yeah. That's still pretty close. Um, yeah. So basically, everybody is going to be measured uh, by a score between three fifty and nine fifty, kind of like a credit score. And it's linked to their national identity card. <clears throat> That's right, it is 2020. But the funny thing is, I mean, this is something issued by the government, but of course they have to outsource all of this, you know, uh, data right. processing and everything. So it's, guess who's doing it for them? Alibaba. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Al Alibaba, like, it's it's hilarious. Uh, the, the founder of it, Jack Ma, he's like the Jeff Bezos for Chinese. Um, he, he's, he's worth billions. But, you know, Alibaba.com is like a wholesale um, uh, website, like business-to-business -business wholesale. So if you want to sell a bunch of cheap Chinese shit, uh, you just go to Alibaba. Buy it wholesale, and then you can sell it in the U.S. That's mainly what Alibaba, their main website, is used for, is for that whole exporting out of China and importing it into other countries. But then they have Alibaba, or AliExpress, which is like kind of like Amazon, where you can get wholesale prices on an individual item. Um, but they have, th those are kind of like their main sales retail outlets, but they have like a music store, uh, they have like the, a Chinese knockoff of eBay, um, they own everything as far as, 
that goes. The only other competitor really that they have is Tencent and they have basically the equivalent of Facebook. They're the big social network over in China. They, As far as the holding group, they own a lot of properties there. QQ is like a really popular instant messaging platform in China and uh, that's owned by Tencent. Um, and both Alibaba and Tencent are collectively being a part of this this horrible program. So, I, I yeah, it's kind of spooky. But at the same time, I mean, it's a little hilarious because not only are you rated. I mean, not only do you have like a citizen score, which is very dystopian, but the best part is that. It will hurt your score not only if you do certain things, any of your friends do them. So basically, yeah, it's the peer pressure model. You know, like uh, was that Come movie on, like bro. Full Metal, like yeah, like Full Metal Jacket when uh, <laughs> what's his name would fuck up and the whole platoon would get punished for it. Yeah, yeah. But they beat him with socks. So, like the socks is so in it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like that's China. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> oh man so basically uh yeah so so you have to pick a group of friends who are going to be good citizens otherwise you're you're basically going to be brought down so so your company that you keep has, man you know that's really a genius idea as far as developing pro-government bubbles you know like yeah it's it's clever as hell. It's just extremely awful at the same time. Yeah, so things like um, it measures your ability to pay like credit, um, also like social ties, uh, political compliance. Um, some things that will hurt your score are posting political opinions without prior permission or posting information whoa, 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 whoa. that the regime does not like. How do you get permission to post political things in China? I, I'm not aware of this. I know that every account that I created on their social networks has been deleted uh, very quickly because it's always anti-government sentiments. But uh, the, well, you probably have to fill out some paperwork. <laughs> I need to find <laughs> these forms and uh, start asking for permission uh, <laughs> before I try um, popularizing. Uh, pro-democracy protest in China. That, that's something I'm going to have to look at. I've never heard of this this approval process before. Um, I'm going to have to look into it. It sounds sexy. <laughs> I wonder uh, what happens. Like, how do they, do they say no, or do they just like show up in your now in 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 jail? Like, what is? Well, uh, actually, what I'd like to know is. Do they hit your score if you even ask? Mm -hmm. That's a like. It yeah. also says. Oh, no. uh, I, if you ask what your score is. No, if you ask like, uh, hey, I'd like to write a blog post about such and such topic, and if it's a topic the government doesn't like, they'll deny it. But the fact that you asked. <laughs> you know, maybe you pose a threat, so they're going to start hitting your score. Anyway, like it says that your score is calculated with those and other things like information about hobbies, lifestyle, and the best part is shopping. So buying certain goods will improve your score. Um, 
and other purchases will lower it. I love this. I'm sorry. Like, it's so awful. <laughs> I'm completely 100% against this. I've been fighting for uh, Chinese uh, activists for years, but the um, the idea of how genius this is, I can't deny it. Like, It's you, kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, because this will encourage you, again, like to be with uh, pro-government friends. Um uh, it, it 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 boosts your your consumer based uh, economy, and also uh, it, people are rewarded by having the higher scores to be able to travel and have better visas. Um, yep. That's that's something that I think is really interesting because your loyalty to the state gets you actual rewards, but it's all fabricated because of the system itself. Like instead of just being free, you get you earn freedom by being loyal to the state. It's fucking brilliant. It's genius. Well, uh, to add to the genius, it's not just like government compliance, but it looks like the way they're marketing it, it's a total like social status, like a your measure right. of social worth. Yeah, because anyone can see anyone's <clears throat> score. Yeah. Yeah. So right now it's voluntary, and I guess almost if not more than 100,000 people have already started signing up and apparently bragging about their scores. Yeah, You know I what? Mean, they've, if they they've had got that in like, the United States, people would do it too. Look how many fucking idiots signed up for Foursquare and, and checked in at the goddamn house. <laughs> I'm the fucking mayor of my own house. Yeah. Like, like, people are fucking idiots in any country, so it doesn't surprise me. I'm actually surprised that only 100,000 people signed up, being that there's, like, what, 200 million-plus people online in China, or, or probably more than that. Um, I'm yeah, the mayor that's... of your mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. You know, RBCP, he, uh, he used to check in on Foursquare uh, at the city hall. So that he could be the mayor of his town. <laughs> he used to do shows where uh, he would call places that people yeah. had checked into. Yeah, yeah. Like I did that to Walgreens. I did that a couple of times. I I had a conversation with the guy. What I did was I looked at his Twitter and then went on his Facebook and found some friend. That was just kind of like someone that I, I, I kind of assumed that he would be an acquaintance with, but not really be close with. And I called some bar, described the guy, and they get him on the phone, and I told him that his car caught on fire. Like, well, well, my car caught on fire, and I needed him to come pick me up. And it was a few blocks away from the bar. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know if he actually went or not, but I just thought it was funny that he'd just go there. And it's not, there's no car. There's nothing. <laughs> but a more entertaining one um, was when I called Walgreens uh, and I told the guy I was him from the future. And that what he bought and turned us into like a three-foot midget. Uh, and that he needed to just not buy anything. And he was really confused by it. So, you know, I get this off of his Twitter account, and I had this conversation with him, and it was a complete, like, ordeal to get him on the phone. I had to call back, like, twice, because the woman did not know how to put me on hold to page. So she hung up, paged him, and then I had to call back. To It was just an ordeal. But uh, after the conversation, he then posted on Twitter, 
I just had the the most strangest conversation I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, imagine talking to yourself. And like it, it, you got to really think about that though. That's got to blow people's minds because you would not expect someone to just call and ask for you at some place. But what else would you expect when you're posting your 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 location everywhere on the internet? You know. I don't know if like if it if people are just completely oblivious or desperately want to have a public voice or a combination of both, but it's amazing how much people will voluntarily put things out there publicly and then be shocked when there's public access to the information. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah, there's people who post just the most incriminating things online that's really easy to dig up and we're not even in a um like oppressive country well depending on who you talk to but you know uh people will post their them smoking like here, here's a perfect example of an idiot a fucking idiot um some follower on either Shadow Systems... Uh, I'm totally doxing the person, by the way, because it's... <laughs> there's small enough <laughs> numbers of followers to where you could easily find this individual. Well, you're a fucking idiot, and you're posting this publicly, so why not? Um, this individual, um, like, on their Twitter account, is saying, hey, I'm selling these, and it's like some, some, some prescription medication, but in the picture is the fucking prescription with his full name, address his prescription, and he just says, hey, I'm selling these. Like, what a fucking moron. Oh, jeez. I've, I've found prescription bottles in, like, trash before with labels still on them, and <laughs> they've got phone numbers and everything. Uh, I tried, after seeing that, I tried finding prescription uh, bottles online, like, like on Twitter, trying to find people who would post pictures of their prescription <laughs> bottles. And I just Genius. kept seeing the exact same stock image and this this coffee mug that was like a prescription, like that was your your medicine was your coffee. These little, <laughs> woody, little woody mug. All those cute little mugs. Yeah, because you know the the like it's not even worth retweeting anymore. It's so played out. The whole debit card license permit i mean that was that was so last year you know like that was so two years ago uh but uh i I thought maybe prescription bottles would be a thing but it's really not i found one i got like all excited about and uh because it had three prescription bottles with the dude's name and the painkillers and it was a news article and then the news article itself had those the picture with all the information but it was a dude who OD'd on those pills. And so it was, like, worth nothing. He was just a sad story. He died. <laughs> he just died. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, now so uh, I just did a, we've, we've had a good laugh. What's the next story? I did a search for my prescription bottle. <laughs> and it looks like it might be yielding some results. Well, that's everyone's awesome journey for the day go on twitter go on your social networking sites and try to find pictures of people with their prescription bottles if you're on twitter retweet it and put in the hashtag i'm a fucking idiot and uh we'll find them and retweet them for you even like an actual prescription bottle here's a stock image and the doctor's name on the prescription bottle 
It says Dr. P, the letter P, last name Test. <laughs> P -test. Dr. P Test. <laughs> yeah, Target Pharmacy. Oh, here's one that has, uh, it tells you what Walgreens filled the prescription and their phone number. The prescription number, you can see almost all of it. Oh, that's nuts, man. People. <sighs> People are idiots, yeah. But what, what I was going to say, like, do that? Like, why do people need to go and post their prescription bottles? Like, first off, no one cares. That, <laughs> just, just so you know, no one gives a single shit. And secondly, what are you gaining by doing that? Like, oh, look, guys, I got to take some antibiotics. It sucks. Like, just what? That's what emojis oh are for, you fucking idiot. Here's one somebody posted, and they scratched out CVS Pharmacy. But, I mean... You can tell it's CVS Pharmacy. <laughs> and they scratched out the prescription number, but Joanne Colburn's name is still on there. <laughs> oh, with all of the phone number except, looks like maybe the last two digits you can... Oh, boy. I'm not like I'm not going to be able to track that one down in white pages. Yeah. Prescribed by like Dr. Joanne Colburn. Lynn. How is she a baby boomer? Because that sounds like a baby boomer. I don't know. Well, hydroxychloro something. But the doctor is Hope Dylan, MD. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can totally figure out who this person is with that information. Oh, man. I was going to say, like, good OPSEC, you know, you should remove your labels when you throw them away. But I guess that doesn't fucking matter because you're posting pictures of it on the <laughs> Internet. Yeah. Oh, God. Please Jesus. rob my medicine cabinet dot com. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people get robbed for prescription drugs, you know. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I was having a conversation with Jules about um, uh, Etsy, possibly getting uh, Austin information from there. Like, if people are selling expensive jewelry on that site, you could just you just find out where they are and rob them. Like, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> or like Foursquare, there used to be that site for a while, right? PleaseRobMe.com. Right, yeah, yeah. That it would like, take all of the public Foursquare posts because it would be public unless you set your Foursquare check-ins to private, right? Yeah, yeah. And and when you yeah, were home, you could, just, you could just look on a map. There's one, um, I forget what it is, uh, but it uses Flickr, and uh, it shows you uh, on a map... Um, w like people's cats and where they are, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll just be people's. Oh, oh that's uh, amazing. Yeah, uh, it's it, it, you know it's 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 in the same uh, you know, idea of the the rob me site, but it was I I don't remember the address, but yeah, it's a site where you can just see a map, uh, and you can zoom in and and find cats in your neighborhood. Using <laughs> using the exif geolocation data. But, there used to be an iPhone app, and maybe an Android app too, but I know uh, definitely iPhone that they pulled from the store shortly after it was released called Girls Around Me. And oh I think it used Foursquare check-ins, but it basically <laughs> correlated Foursquare accounts with female social media accounts. And oh, wow. it was an app that, you know, it grabs your location and then within whatever radius it shows you what
females are checking in around you and has like their pictures and stuff like that. Really creepy. I remember um, like one of my most liked uh, posts ever was on Valentine's Day. I posted uh, use Google Latitudes API uh, to uh, overlay the location from where you are to your significant other's uh, location and send them the page at the title The Way to My Heart. You'll either uh, they'll either love it or you'll get a restraining order. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now you can do that with the new iOS feature, which is Follow Me. Literally, uh, you can add friends and let them track you everywhere you go. It's like Find My iPhone for your friends. And yeah, it's your called phones. Find My Friends. It's called Find I My X. That that's what that ends up being. Like that's a crazy X, like wet dream right there. Uh, you now you have get... to approve people. Yes, yes, you do. But once you break up, then how are you gonna like? How many people are gonna forget about that? There's gonna be some. Someone gets their, 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 their like they're gonna get beat up or they're gonna get killed, and it's gonna be because of that app. I'm telling you. Give it about three months, and we'll, we'll see it in Florida. I, I promise. It's Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> Florida man will either be killed or kill someone using that technology. Florida man eats face of X. <laughs> While high on Flocka and Jinkum. <laughs> Y'all remember Jinkum? That was the 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 drug where you like had feces and urine and it would ferment and you would uh no. it, it was in a balloon like you put feces and urine in, in a bottle and you put a balloon over it and you sat outside for days for it to ferment and the gas will rise was up it some good shit I, <laughs> no, nice uh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> but apparently like you get the gas that's in the balloon and then you inhale it and it gets you high uh, I believe. So did it? Did it work? I don't know. I never did it. It was just like there was some news report back, like I don't know, twelve years ago or something, or, or maybe I don't know, ten years or something ago. And uh, it, you know, one of those things that the local news will do, they'll like learn about something on the other side of the world, and it'll be like, uh, <laughs> like your kids may be getting high off the of jinkum news at six p.m. <laughs> And then the it's sheriff. The, it's the guy. new drug craze, yeah. the nation that you have to be worried about. Yeah, and literally, like one kid found it probably, and the sheriff's sitting there. No, we need to watch our kids, make sure they don't play with balloons. You know, it's just that type of you thing. You know, you know, you know how it started. It was probably some kids trying to get some other kid to do something stupid, <laughs> like smoking dog shit, like Cheech and Chong. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking kids man alright well I think we've had a lot of news today um, like literally one one or two articles just a lot of talking around it let's move into our main topic of the evening or what we like to call your mom mm -hmm. oh. Tree grow, live a old lady named Avila Bo. She got a black cat tooth and a mojo bone. And in a one who wouldn't bleed 
avalanche go Another man done The song you are listening right now is about a prolific woman known as Marie Laveau. Marie Laveau is an interesting person because she was a hacker before technology existed. And no, she didn't go around hacking Abacus. Uh, no, she, she was doing something a little different. She was, um, well, she's got kind of a reputation. If you watch American Horror Story... You'll be familiar with the character, um, but as far as the person behind the character, she is well known in New Orleans as um, quite possibly uh, the most famous voodoo queen ever. And what she rose to fame was um, doing her, her uh, rites on St. John's Eve. And, uh, basically, um, what she is largely responsible for is the voodoo culture that a lot of people know, uh, in New Orleans. Now, voodoo, it pre-existed outside of Louisiana and, and New Orleans, but it was brought over due to, um, the, the Haitians as they immigrated, uh, after slavery was made illegal, uh, and... She was actually, what's, what's cool about her is that the brand of voodoo that she developed was, was not just uh, the traditional voodoo, it was also hoodoo, and she mixed elements of Catholicism in it because she was Catholic as well. But why she is a topic of discussion tonight is because we're going to give some examples and, and talk a little bit about hacking outside of technology per se. Like when we talk about hacking, a lot of people think it's just some dude in front of a computer. Um, but in reality, hacking has existed way before computers because it's a mindset. And um, Marie Laveau is prolific in her social engineering exploits that she performed on the entire city of New Orleans. And her legend continues to this day where at her gravesite people still leave her gifts and uh, pray to her and ask for her blessings so uh, how did yep. she pull this off like uh, you know about her black meth and you're you're way up in uh, ice kingdom in Michigan um, what what is it about Marie Laveau that you know about um, <clears throat> well I heard about her from uh my mother and stepfather, who my stepfather was uh, from Texas and Louisiana, his family was, and, you know, they go on uh, family reunions, and my mom would come back and talk about all, uh, talk about uh, New Orleans. She loved it there, and it got me interested, and uh, I think uh, I got kind of interested in the occult and voodoo when I was a kid um, looking through these weird old library books that our school had for someone. Um, and then going to Louisiana, <clears throat> um, uh, just, uh, you know, like a casual, uh, fan of folklore and voodoo and things like that. Um, we went and visited, uh, her tomb at the, I think it was St. Louis cemetery. Number one. Yeah. yeah. 
and yeah, you can see all of the offerings and things people leave for her. But really, what's more intriguing is uh, how she actually rose to power <laughs> through voodoo, which is kind of the topic of the evening, right? Yes, yes. Um, her, so, so her whole entire persona—it was a, a, a showman's uh, thing, you know. Uh, now you know of course there a popular thing with with voodoo and uh in louisiana like southern louisiana even if you don't believe in voodoo it's a very superstitious uh place <laughs> that people believe in some crazy stuff but that's due to the uh uh influence there and the main thing that uh causes a lot of this is uh with cajuns is uh the gree gree uh that is the the like the or, or a lot of people will say bad juju uh but gree gree is um actually what uh is like the bad luck or the bad uh spirits that come after someone or whatever um so what she would do a lot of uh is um you know kind of integrate again that catholicism she would say that people need to go to mass and and uh, uh, you know get get rid of the gree gree and and she would perform various tricks and have potions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what really set her apart from everyone else was knowing things. And I always thought this was really impressive, is because this is a black woman in southern Louisiana where uh, even to this day is extremely racist and she had it, from people from all social classes and races coming to her and asking for their fortunes their um, you know advice and all of these things because she had all of this knowledge that just no one else could possibly have and it simply came down to a social engineering feat. Now, if you ever go to New Orleans and you go to the French Quarter, you will, um, you know, you will see a lot of the marketing and, uh, you know, different places there that capitalize on it. Um, but there is one area that you can go to um, in the French Quarter that is. Uh, First off, it's beautiful. The St. Louis Cathedral, you need to go there because it is a magical place. Uh, it just looks like something out of a, a fantasy-like uh, movie. But in the courtyard in front of that cathedral is where all the tarot card readers will set up their little booths. Now, that in and of itself is uh, basically reading people and... Uh, you know, manipulating them through conversation, and that's a social engineering act of itself, which she would do. But how she was able to get specific information on individuals, and we're talking high-profile people, like like the very rich white people of New Orleans, was an espionage network of hairdressers. See, she was a hairdresser herself, and all that's that's a disputed thing. But we're not going into all of that. The key of this was that this network of hairdressers, because, you know, even though segregation existed there, uh, especially at that point in time, uh, the hairdressers, there was no, you know, if you were black, they didn't, they, they didn't care, you know, like you were a servant in this regard. So 
they they had no care about that they didn't think about that and what happens when you go and get your hair did uh there's a lot of gossip that goes down they're talking to you and 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 the person next to you uh would be talking about their day-to-day gossip and so these were basically gossip mills and Marie Laveau was able to utilize that and gather information from this network of hairdressers. So when these rich people would come up to her and ask her information, she would have it because she had this huge information network. And that combined with the whole voodoo folklore that she developed to create. I mean, she was really like the Jesus Christ of Louisiana voodoo. Uh, and... She kind of mixed a lot of things together, but made this big uh, theatrical show. And using her social engineering there, she was able to make a huge part of culture there that exists to this day. And I mean, a lot of people will swear by this woman. Even if you sit there and tell her, tell them the entire story, they will still believe this. I mean, it's it's impressive. Uh, Black Math, you've been there. You've experienced New Orleans multiple times. Have you ever interacted with someone who just swears by this, uh, like as as absolute truth? Oh yeah, absolutely. New Orleans yeah. is one of the most, I think, one of the most interesting places to visit in the entire country. Oh yeah, it, it's it's one of a kind. That's for sure, and. If it wasn't for this one woman, this one woman who was a social engineering genius, that entire culture would be a lot different because voodoo is very much a part of that culture. So if you're ever there, um, there are a lot of cool places that you can go to actually experience real voodoo uh, because there's different, there's the commercialized voodoo with the... Uh, with the voodoo dolls and all of that, but you can actually experience a real uh, voodoo seance type thing uh, if you have the the balls to do it. And being that it's all bullshit, you might as well go and have some fun. <laughs> well, my recommendation is like the last time we went to New Orleans to visit instead of, you know, instead of like, getting a hotel or anything like that we actually used airbnb and found one of the most bizarre places we could find to stay at and it was actually right outside the french quarter <clears throat> um it was a former convent or a former nunnery basically like a very large house with multiple rooms and multiple kitchens and things like that that have been converted into uh this really far out bizarre place that was listed on Airbnb, but the proprietor and her friend, I guess, who helps her run the place, you know, they both say that they uh, they practice voodoo, and uh, they were talking about it a bit, and it was kind of entertaining, but, I mean, the whole place was decked out with uh, shrines, and, um, I don't know, it was very cool, like, I'm not really a supernatural believer but i find it very fascinating especially occult stuff and just kind of being able to sleep in a really creepy weird place like that with a bunch of uh, like german tourists and shit was a lot of fun <laughs> <clears throat> so that's my recommendation don't stay at like some cookie cutter hotel if no. you're going to visit get on airbnb and uh, look for some really weird fucked up place and you'll have a good time oh yeah yeah definitely uh 
you 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 really want to experience uh like New Orleans is not going to be Cajun, it's going to be Creole, you know. So so you want you yep. want to try to experience uh experience something unique. You can go stay at a hotel any boring place, but yeah, while you're there, be sure to go uh visit Marie Laveau's grave, leave her a candle and uh she'll she'll keep she'll keep the grigri away. So that was that. Um, Actually, oh, before yeah. we move on, like, um, what I find interesting are the parallels, like, with the uh, the social network of sorts that she used to get all her information. <clears throat> um, essentially, as like the Facebook of the day, right? Like, right. if you were to ostent, like, use ostent to get information on somebody to get leverage. Basically, you connect with friends on Facebook, Twitter, things like that, and ECCI. That was basically the full. <laughs> that's like the full analog version. So she was ahead of her time. Way ahead of her time. Hey, aren't all people who are religious figures ahead of their time? And uh, so, never mind. That's another topic. Yeah. But yes, yeah, she she was uh, really they they need to make a true to life uh, documentary on that aspect of everything, um, not not concentrate on the supernatural, but the actual how she pulled it off. Um, uh, I think that would be really interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, Black Math is going to tell us a story about a man who really liked to press his luck. Michael here in the studio, you've won a sailboat. 12 feet of fun and enjoyment in the water. It's nothing, let's nothing come between you and the water. The mini fish from AMF Alcourt. And we'll fly you and your companion round trip coach from Los Angeles to the Bahama Islands for a six night stay, a modified American plan at the Bahamas Princess and Tower Resort and Golf Club on exciting Grand Bahama Island, offering tennis, swimming, casinos, gourmet cuisine, and international entertainment by a Bahamas Princess and Tower Resort. And finally, Michael, you want a Hawaiian vacation, a round trip flying holiday for two. Air coach via Western Airlines spaceship from Los Angeles to Honolulu. Western's Islander service features warm hospitality and delicious cuisine. You'll stay at the Kauai Surf Resort, situated on Kalapaki Beach in Hawaii. 200 acres of tropical ground, luxury rooms, island entertainment, and warm traditional hospitality. The Kauai Surf Resort. Those prizes totaling $5,287 combined with the $104,950 in cash you've won gives you an all-time grand total, Michael, of one hundred ten. So, Paul Michael Larson, um, born May 10th, 1949, uh, who had a history of trying to find, you know, shortcuts and ways to make fast money, um, ended up getting his big break on a game show in the 80s. Uh, if any of you are old fuckers like me, you'll remember Press Your Luck which was a game show that you had three contestants that sat in front of uh, an electronic screen that was set up with uh, squares, 16 squares, and eat, like, when it was somebody's turn, the square, a square would be highlighted, and the highlight would move along randomly to different squares. They'd hit a button, and wherever the highlight stopped, 
that's what they either won or lost. Anyway, if you just fucking look it up and you'll see what pre uh, Press Your Luck is about. Anyway, Larson, <clears throat> looking for a way to cash in on something, started watching the show and videotaping episodes over and over. And he did this for a long period of time. I'm not exactly sure how long he did it, but he ended up uncovering the algorithm behind the, uh, the electronic sequence. And Press Your Luck was... Um, different in its day because I think it was one of the first like fully electronic algorithm driven game shows uh, on TV. It was. Yeah, yeah. It definitely yeah. was. Okay, so in Press Your Luck, um, there are a total of 18 squares. And like I said, the highlight randomizes and moves from square to square. Um, each square has three different values. And the values could be anything from a small amount of cash to a very large amount of cash. Um, it could be a special prize like a trip or, you know, a, a, a boat, I don't know, something like that. And some squares had money plus an extra spin, um, you know, go back to spaces, things like that. But there were also these things in the squares called whammies. And if you landed on a whammy, you not only lost your turn, but I believe you lost all your money. So on 18 squares with three values each, that comes out to, what, 54 different total values, right? Zandy, you're like the math major. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What's three oh, times? Wow. Thanks, what, Adam. What's three times 18? What's fucking three times 18? 54? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Okay, I've got math in my name. I can figure this out. It, it's, yeah, it's 54. I just, I just Googled it. <laughs> so there are nine whammies on the board somewhere so nine squares um one of their three values is a whammy so as the highlight moves around each square tapes through its values too so they did that to make it difficult to figure out like it, it seemed completely random but larson recorded and kept watching the show over and over and ended up figuring out the timing and the algorithm. So, I mean, amazingly, he ended up applying for and making it on the show. And long story short, we'll get into the details, but long story short, he ended up walking away with a total of $110,237, <laughs> which is the equivalent of about $251,000 today. Well, when... It's also worth noting that he was unemployed, and his only, <laughs> his only occupation was driving an ice cream truck during the summertime. So this is a this is a huge payday for him. Huge payday, and when like the the average winnings were what around twenty thousand dollars, like the yeah, high I, end. If I remember correctly, the cutoff is either twenty thousand or twenty five thousand. So so the way it would work on the show is the winner of the episode before would come back on the next day to compete. And in that particular episode there was this pastor who had won like maybe ten grand the day before. And so he was, you know, but but like the cutoff, if you won like I think it was twenty five thousand, then you couldn't come back on the show the next day. <laughs> so he blew that out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I one thing I read um, said that everybody in the control room, at, I think it was CBS maybe, yeah, uh, CBS. 
as he started to like surpass anything they had ever seen. They went from surprise to amusement to disbelief to eventually like absolute horror. Yeah. Because I mean, they budget a certain amount per show that they're going to use for winnings, right? Yeah. And this guy fucking screwed their budget all to hell. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> the there's... head of the programming for daytime programming for CBS was like, they were screaming for him to come in there. And it's also worth noting that this was a like thirty minute show, and it aired on a Friday. And because he was just <laughs> owning the shit out of them. Uh, his whole segment was the basically the entire first episode. They had to cut the episode and air it on Monday because he just kept <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, actually, like the first round, he didn't win. Like he was making mistakes. Yeah, um, timing. It was the yeah. timing. If you watch him uh, in the episode. Uh, you can actually see his eyes move. Like, there's a documentary made about it, and they're trying to say that he was crazy, but they're just being asses. What he was doing was looking at the position, and you can see it in his eyes that he's timing it. And I guess what it was, when he was practicing at home, he was, like, slamming down on a table. Um, but that delay is going to be different when you're doing it in real time. And his mannerisms changed significantly after that first round. <laughs> Hello? That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had mute because I was vaping hard. <laughs> anyway. Totally awesome hack. Good for him, even though everything else about his life was pretty awful. <laughs> yes. Um He'd also been married and divorced twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that he was excited about was that he, he was going to be able to get his six-year-old daughter a birthday present after winning. <laughs> oh, that's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, non-internet, non, I guess non-computer hack. I mean, the system was computerized, but, you know, he he recorded things on... VHS tape. <laughs> yeah. And just watch awesome. it over and over till he figured it out. Yeah, apparently he had like an array of of TVs and he would just sit there all day and oh, watch right. game shows to to try to reverse engineer them and that was the one. Um after this um the TV show they they ended up uh needing to redo the whole entire uh game board. But it took like two months for them to be able to do it. You know, because that's kind of the whole concept of that show was groundbreaking at the time. So fixing that vulnerability took a bit of engineering to pull off. And so it took them like two months. And if I can remember correctly, uh, it was like the, the pattern was like five things. And for the first few weeks or months, they would basically switch what those five things were so that... They thought that if anyone else was able to figure it out, they wouldn't have enough time to f figure out the sequence and get on the show. Uh, but within two months, they had it fixed where it was like 38. Uh, so it wasn't completely random. It was still pattern-based, but you would have to remember a way more complex uh, pattern. Instead of five, it was now 38. So your odds were significantly higher there. Uh, yeah, they just tried to make it odds. more 
more complex. Yeah. And and it's also worth noting that he was horrible with his money and he thought he could scam a radio show out of $30,000 of cash if he won this this radio show's contest they would win he would win 30 grand. So he took $50,000 out in $1 bills to look at the serial numbers to try to figure out a way to win this show uh this radio show's contest because it was based off of the serial numbers and then someone broke in his house and stole the 50 grand <laughs> so oh my the, god it, it's one of those things where he was really smart to figure that out but he also was a complete fucking idiot at the same time <laughs> oh Michael Larson. Yeah, a legend. <laughs> a legend. I could only aspire to be someone that amazing. To reverse engineer a game show, win money, lose it all, and then start a Ponzi scheme in which I scammed $3 million from people. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time the feds catch up to me, I have lung cancer. And guess where I am? have ended up? In Florida. You know, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's michael larson uh literally a legend and you know what's funny about this is that cbs was so embarrassed so incredibly embarrassed they only aired those episodes once um and the next time that it was aired was when other companies had bought the rights to the show and it was aired on uh, the Game Show Network for the first time after that. I believe it was in 2003. So yep. th there was a long span of time where those episodes were not out there. I mean, it's an impressive feat that this dude pulled off, even though his life was shit afterwards. <laughs> um, this American Life, the radio show on uh, NPR, did a feature on him in 2010. Actually, I haven't listened to it, but... well. It's screw them. We're the better version of NPR. You know why? <laughs> because we have reverb. <laughs> when, uh, when do we start begging for money? Oh, that we haven't got a quarter in yet. <laughs> We're going to have quarterly sponsorship drives. <laughs> We're gonna Should we be reading out a phone number? Like Mr. Chin's Mr. number? Chin's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Please give today. Oh, you, if you want to support <laughs> premium content, <laughs> we don't we don't do ads. We'll, we'll have a variety show where we rely on listener <laughs> donations. <laughs> we can Please, have a variety. Don't hour let where the chin go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> just we call Mister Chin over and over, and we just play him cursing at us. And we Help won't us solve <laughs> until we get our goal. <laughs> Help us solve the mystery of the strong-jawed splasher running through Wiley, Texas. <laughs> oh God! Oh, we have to have. Uh, we'll have a musical guest, and uh, I thought you were going to say a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hacknip the musical. <laughs> yeah. 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 Th this is, this will have, sorry, it'll have like music playing. It's like, um, in 2014 is when the story begins. 
about a crazy <laughs> bastard whose name is Mr. Chin. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. <laughs> but it has to have like, like a three-minute long overture of just music. Yeah, yeah, the intro. Uh, anyways, uh, what's another example there of a hack? I know you had one that was really good. Yeah, one of my favorites um, was a 1961 Rose Bowl game between Caltech and uh, University of Washington. <clears throat> um, oh, apparently, another article I'm reading was the Minnesota Golden Gophers take on the Huskies. Ooh. Anyway, the way I heard it was it was Caltech versus the Huskies, and. Uh, you know, Caltech is maybe, I think they compete maybe with MIT as far as who pulls off the greatest hacks or pranks. Um, if you're not familiar with it, MIT has an entire website devoted to their quote-unquote hacks. They're not like computer hacks specifically, but just really creative pranks like that. And it's a lot of fun to read into. But in 1961, some students from Caltech, uh, one student posed as a reporter and interviewed the director of crowd stunts or card stunts for the Washington Huskies. And if you don't know what they are, card stunts are, you know, like when you see in the stands, people hold up a bunch of colored cards and it spells something out or it draws something. Those are called card stunts. And there's apparently a guy who's in charge of it all and he's the director of card stunts. So. They posed as a reporter and interviewed the guy, and they got a bunch of uh, <clears throat> technical and logistic details of how he organizes those and how it all works. And also through this quote-unquote interview, um, they got an idea of his schedule and when he would be in and out of the office over the next, uh, I'm not sure how many days. And what they did was a group of, I think, 14 students were all in on this. Wow. They picked the locks to his office and started stealing the uh, um, the sheets they used to spell out things with the card stunts. <clears throat> and they drew up their own, a total of three that they customized. And then they broke in a few times after that, ended up taking the master sheet and substituting three of the card stunts with the ones that they came up with. <laughs> so during the 1961 Rose Bowl game, um, one of the card stunts was supposed to, was supposed to spell out Washington, but instead, when it happened, it spelled out Caltech in the crowd. The second <laughs> one was uh, the crowd was supposed to spell out Huskies, but they ended up spelling it backwards. And the third one were the uh, Huskies, uh, or the crowd was supposed to hold up cards that were in the shape of a, of a Husky, and then ended up being a picture of a beaver, which is the Caltech's, uh, Caltech's mascot. So they basically hacked an algorithm without anybody knowing, because basically every member of the audience that's holding the card just knows that they have to hold up a certain color card at a certain time not knowing what's, what it's going to spell, and to everybody's surprise, it was not what they thought. That's amazing. Like, that is, I love it because it's a troll, you know? 
but then they also lockpicked. I mean, that that's a real great example of a, a genius hack that uh, they include sports. I, I, I love that. Nowadays, if someone were to do that, they probably wouldn't be that creative. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They would just do some Twitter thing. Uh, I, I like that. I mean, it's like I guess... People have tried to duplicate it. Well, that's just copycat. Yeah, that was really creative. Yeah. I mean... I found a picture of a crowd spelling out, we suck. If <laughs> 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 you're going to duplicate it, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I were to ever duplicate that, I would want it to, to make out an image of dick butt. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrific. Like, that would be pretty epic. Um... In a similar note, another kind of, it's not really hack, it's more physical security and social engineering side of things here. Um, I, I've, I've been really impressed with this. I love physical security infiltrations. I, I, I just think that's so cool when people do that. And um, in 2013, when the Super Bowl was in New Orleans, uh, there were a couple of uh, college uh, dudes who... Who were able to completely walk themselves into the snoo uh, the snooper bowl the super bowl uh and they had gopros on their head the entire time so you can actually watch them do it and this was with like so much security they had blocks of of the the city street just just completely you know, shut off. I mean, you know, the Super Bowl is like a huge event in post 9-11. Security's been through the roof. Uh, but they were able just to literally walk all the way in and were only stopped once by a police officer. And uh, they just kept going, basically. I remember at one point they actually helped people who were part of, I don't know, setting up something, but carry shit in. And they just they just walked in with stuff, and people don't even question that. They just think they're a part of the staff with no badges. All they were doing was wearing, <laughs> they just wore hoodies, and that was it. And they like uh, there was a picture taken of them. They like they were on uh, the the sidelines. You know this this was literally just walking into the sidelines. Now they didn't do this at the beginning. It was I think halftime by the time that they got in. But still, it was pretty impressive in the entire video, uh, you know, proof showing the entire process is what I think is the most impressive uh, with that. So um, another example of that was with uh, there was an Australian show. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, I think it was called Chasers. Uh, I think that's the name of it. Yeah, yeah, Chasers. Uh, and for the uh, APEC uh, Leader Summit in 2007, they were <laughs> they were actually able to breach the security. Now, it's important for people who don't know what APEC is. That's the Asia Pacific Economic Corporation uh, or, or cooperation, I should say. Uh, and now that comprises of multiple uh it's like a trade uh uh co-op that exists between uh a, a number of countries including like australia china hong kong japan mexico u.s canada vietnam russia just singapore tons of tons of different company uh, companies countries there and what they were able to do 
was uh, create a fake motorcade. Uh, they just had chauffeured vehicles, uh, two SUVs, a car, and uh, like two motorcycles. And they were able to breach all of the security with this motorcade. And what's hilarious about this motorcade was that the only thing <laughs> that really like gave it any kind of legitimacy was a real tiny Canadian flag that was on the sedan. That was it. <laughs> now, as far as the passes, their their security passes, uh, their their passes themselves uh, literally said APEC 2007 Chasers War. And that was in big letters, and it would have the person's picture under it. And under the Chasers War, it says, It's pretty obvious that this isn't a real pass. <laughs> and, it, and then it's got in big letters, Insecurity. And then it's got a logo that says Joke on it. And <laughs> these credentials uh, were able to be viewed as valid. So... They were able to drive all the way right in front of the hotel in which they were. This huge meeting was occurring. Now they get this motorcade all the way in. Their lawyers for the TV station did not anticipate any success. They thought they would get stopped at the first checkpoint, so they okayed the whole thing. They did not anticipate them being able to breach every single checkpoint to get all the way in. So here's the kicker, right? They're right in front of this building where George Bush is, right? In the high, like the war on terror is at its height in Iraq, and they're outside of the building, and they're trying to turn their vehicles around and get out of there. But then they decide, hey, why don't we just get out? So the sedan opens. You have the the person sitting in the front who comes out. And the, 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 the person of importance that's in the car steps out. And it's uh, no one other than Osama bin Laden himself. They, yes, one of them dressed oh. up as Osama bin Laden. Oh my God. And so they were outside of the highest security. All these world leaders are all in one place. And a dude dressed like Osama bin Laden emerges from a car. And... They end up not arresting Osama bin Laden. They end up arresting <laughs> just the white dude in a suit who looks like fake security. They don't even touch the dude who looks like Osama bin Laden. Eventually, of course, they arrest everyone, but they were more concerned with the other guy, not the guy who looked like Osama bin Laden. It was insane. Uh, and their whole argument was that Osama bin Laden should have been there since he was a world leader. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, that's all. You can search th for that online. It's the uh, Chaser Apex. Um, just just Google that and you'll be able to find the video. There's multiple copies online. Uh, I just think that's hilarious that they were able to pull that one off. Um, and I guess um, one other uh, really cool social engineering feat, uh, especially in the context of pretexting, was uh, this uh, detective who, uh, for the Santa Barbara Police Department from 2006 until 2014, uh, uh, he was a private investigator who was able to um, social engineer the, the police department and uh, various people that he did these cases on 
by using pretexting and social engineering to uh, make them think that he was psychic and was able to solve cases and had a successful um, private investigation firm with his uh, best friend who was reluctant throughout the whole process. I think that added legitimacy to his feat was that his father was a retired, uh, respected officer with the police force. Um, but yeah, he, he was able to do that from 2006 until 2014. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a, uh, I mean, you know, his PI firm was successful. He solved a lot of, a lot of cases and it was the whole, he had skills in his detective work, but what gained him the legitimacy was faking his psychic abilities. So that was all using pretexting to do that and deduction. Wow, and of that's course, actually kind of scary. P.T. Barnum had it right, man. Does, does that mean the fucking cops were like, we can't figure out this case, somebody called a psychic? Oh, basically, yeah, yeah. And he would also, like, just walk in the police station and he had a rapport with certain officers and be able to get on cases. They basically used him as a consultant for a lot of different things, yeah. Like that show Psych. Have you guys ever watched that show? <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was describing. That None of that shit's true. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking, man, maybe the psych was based on this guy. <laughs> no, man, there's, dude, there's, oh. actually, there's actually, like, fake psychics out there that uh, police departments have referred to for cases. Or I think nowadays they mostly Isn't just bother redundant? police departments to try and get famous. Fake psychics. Yeah, I would, I would Crazy love to... Shit. to uh to get that job. <laughs> that was great. I was going to see how long I could, I could keep talking about psychedelics. You're a gem, Whiskey Neon. Just a gem. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I thought about naming... I, I was going to... like I, I didn't know if y'all watched it, but I was going to say Sean Spencer was his name, and, but I thought that I that would give it away <laughs> if, if you watched the show. Uh, it's a, great it's a good show, show actually. It's, uh, it's funny. I love that show. It's yeah. like a, a comedic version of uh, Sherlock Holmes, in a sense. Like, yeah, uh, like he's observation and deduction and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I was through this int like huge psych uh, binge-watching phase, and I would go out to bars and try to replicate those techniques using Ascent and the deduction techniques it, it, it fell miserably like 90 percent of the time outside of not using ascent but uh this show is very entertaining you'd be uh, surprised how far you can get with pretexting oh just based on the fact that a lot of people not only like like people always say social engineering is based on people just want to help other people out i disagree there's also a large factor of people don't want to deal with the bullshit of having to deal with fraud. So they're going to err on the side of believing you if you give them just enough to believe. Like, <clears throat> right. um, there, there, was, there was an oil spill incident. And if, <laughs> if you follow like oil spills, um, basically they're contracting company, companies that pretty much nonstop just go from location to location and clean up oil spills because they happen all the time in different, you know, levels of magnitude. 
um, there was a particular oil spill that I wanted to check out. And so I basically drew up um, semi-fake credentials, business cards, name, like ID tags that said media on them. Um, the business name I used was actually a DBA that I did own for like a, like a design firm. <clears throat> and my, my uh, pretense was that I was doing a local documentary on the incident. And uh, I presented myself in in a way that gave the oil company the impression that I wasn't out there to slam them, that I just wanted to do a documentary, and they had the opportunity to look good um, with locally produced content, which I think that's something that they wanted. But I mean, it took, you know, I think Vistaprint, like, free business cards, and I slide some of them in, like, an, I, like an ID tag holder with a lanyard, things like that, at photography gear. And I even took Mr. Chin one day, one of my outings, but um, in the center where they were rehabilitating wildlife, which was closed off to the public, closed off to the press, except for certain times, I went for the first um, press tour. I got in, got to take pictures and see all the things they were doing. I ended up talking to the director. We had some things in common, like uh, a place where I grew up, and she worked there, and so I, we hit it off, and I started talking to her. I was able to go down to the wildlife rehab site multiple times when it was closed off to the press and even got invited to uh, document their first wildlife release. So that was pretty cool. But the best part was I simply, well, the oil company brought in um, <clears throat> uh, helicopters and they did daily helicopter runs um, over the spill site and other affected areas. And I thought, I've never been in a helicopter before. I'd really like to go on a helicopter ride. So I just asked their PR girl, hey, I'd like to take some aerial shots. Is there any way I could get up on one of your helicopter uh, things you do you know, every day? And they said yes. So I took a friend with me who had uh, pro video gear, and we basically got an hour-long helicopter ride um, for free. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing uh, Damn. feat there. Um you know, it, it's, it goes to say something like uh, you're, when you do have press credentials, you can get by with a lot of things. The more legit it looks, the better. Uh, I, I, I know that that's like something that y'all pulled off. How many years ago was that? Uh, a few years ago. Yeah. I, well, yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, if you give a, a specific timeline, people will know the, <laughs> the event. I mean, if you research hard enough, you'd be able to figure it out. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. But, um, yeah, if it doesn't take a whole lot of work. I mean, I was lucky enough that, you know, I was in a position. I had a I had professional-level gear, and, you know, the best lies, I guess, are the ones that are closely related to the truth. So, I mean, I did have a legitimate business, like a DBA that, you know, could be backed up if they did any sort of background checks or things like that. But basically all it took was some nice looking business cards and lanyards, um, moderate level of pro-ish gear. I mean, you know, a decent DSLR was all I had. Yeah, and a uh, nice back point and click. No, no, and like I had a nice backpack that carried all of my gear and they just let me in. And you just have to talk to people. I mean, if you approach it and you're like some weird nervous dude, of course they're going to be leery, but they really don't want to have to go through the whole scenario of being leery and having to deal with that. 
So if you can just put them at ease, you can get into a lot of places. And my intent wasn't malicious. Right. I just wanted to see stuff and have a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've actually had amazing success with a fake uh, media. I, I have, I used to have access to a, uh, like, like a, a, a badge printer, you know, like a, the, uh, plastic. Like card. a real, yeah, yeah like, yeah, like a real one. And so I have a media ID, a press pass, like different variations there that have like, you know, legit looking graphics that you would expect someone in the media to have. Um, I also had a fake fraternity uh, member ID card and other things with my picture, name, position, all that stuff. So I was able to get into basketball games for free. Um, I was able to get better <laughs> better parking. Like at one uh, college graduation, uh, I was able to convince the police officer that I was in this fraternity uh, to get like parking right in front of it. I mean, this was like, you know, thousands of people graduating. Um, so parking was horrible. I just pulled right up and showed him. <laughs> Showed him my fraternity uh, card and was able to park right there, like just right across the street. Um, I was able to get into a lot of games for free uh, using my press pass because it's the local news channel. So I could just, you know, uh, hey, I'm with XYZ. <laughs> and and they're like, oh, okay, yeah. I was like, uh, did, did, uh, did Bob come in yet? And they're like, uh, no, no, uh, I haven't seen him yet. And so I just get to walk in. I've, I wouldn't go courtside. I would go sit in, like, the nice seats. But, um, you know, don't have to pay. Yeah, you'd be surprised. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the lesson learned is people definitely judge a book by its cover. Oh, yeah, dress the part, too, yeah. Yeah. And you, you don't want to go wearing, like, a... A shirt that's like offensive while you're trying to pretend to be a member of the press, but (laughs) but if you're you're if you're just a photog, then they're not going to judge you as much because photogs hardly ever dress nicely. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you wear like some uh, cargo pants and like you know a faded colored t-shirt with like a long sleeve button-up shirt unbuttoned though over it. You know, probably like an earthy tune. Um, maybe a cap, you know, a cap, have and a, some glasses on your shirt. <laughs> yep. And have a lanyard with some sort of official looking credential or business name and uh, your gear. And yeah, they'll, they'll go wherever, unless there's something to hide, you know, of course. But, but yeah, in your scenario, making them look good was the most important thing for them in that scenario. Yeah, I actually befriended uh, one of the vocal, I guess, squeaky wheels in the community that was, you know, talk, speaking out against the uh, the oil company, um, and I got her to allow me to follow her around and <laughs> document her little journey, and that ended up getting me into a one-on-one meeting with her and the CEO. So basically, in this little room was the CEO, his, uh, his PR girl, um, I'm sorry if that was sexist, his, his PR rep, and uh, <laughs> this lady that was, um, you know, the, who was speaking out against them, and then me and my friend that had a video camera. We got to sit in on that meeting and uh, listen to them go at it. 
Wow. And I got to shake his hand and stuff. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Uh, yeah. Which one did you like the best? <laughs> the which one did I like the best? <laughs> yeah, or the CEO. I liked the CEO a lot. He was, uh, he had, uh, he had swag, man. I mean, he come, he came off as very friendly, easy to talk to, and he what impressed me the most is that he came off very genuine. Like you didn't get that sense of a little bit of bullshit or anything coming from uh, coming from him. He was a uh, very, I don't know, just very at ease and made you feel at ease, which did, is did why she, he's CEO. Did she feel at ease? No, she was all worked up. <laughs> that was her whole M.O. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there you have it. Uh, we we discussed some examples of hacking outside of technology. So uh, hack remember, the yeah, hack the planet. Uh, whenever you're in New Orleans, make sure that you have uh, experienced the Voodoo Queen, her grave. Make sure that if you're ever going to be on a game show, you try to reverse engineer it. Uh, when you want to go to a sporting event, either sneak in or use fake credentials to gain access and have free admission. And if you ever want to be with an activist, make sure to ditch the activist and ha and hang out with the CEO who has the hacker swag. <laughs> it's all about connections. <laughs> it is all about connections and networking. And uh, and if you're going to do a podcast, remember the most important thing is to utilize your reverb. And so, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> so, do you have any closing statements, uh, Zandy? Since you have barely talked the entire time. Uh, no, I was lame and didn't get a story. But uh, I guess I'm going to have to go buy a nice, fancy fucking camera and see what kind of places I can get into. You forgot yeah, that. The reverb. Oh. I think I'm going to buy a camera. The camera. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, any closing statements from you, Black Math? No, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, if you've never seen the TV show Psych, I highly suggest it. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. It's lighthearted. It's entertaining. My favorite, my favorite scene from that show <laughs> is when Gus the bus, when there, there's like a murder at a department store, <laughs> and he's standing there <laughs> looking, and Sean realizes that he's wearing the exact same outfit as one of the mannequins. <laughs> 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 it's so like he bases his wardrobe off of the mannequins, how they're dressed. I thought that was hysterical. So that's actually a really funny show. Yeah, it it is. It is. Um, and they actually have any TV. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So be sure to check that out. All right. So thank you guys, and thank you everyone for listening. And then. Till next time, be sure that you uh, don't post your prescription pills on Twitter. And as always, from Shadow Systems, we encourage you to hack the planet. And keep that citizen score up. Hack <laughs> <laughs> right. the planet.
Shadow Systems. <laughs> <laughs>